chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and I want to look at verses 1 through 16. That's right, 1 through 16. (laughs) All right. And it says this, And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven." For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You, Christians, are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. That is some good stuff, people. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus was teaching his disciples spiritual keys that will unlock blessings in their life and in the lives of all the Christians to come. All right? He wasn't just saying it to them there. This, how many of you know the Bible is relevant until Jesus comes back and then some? Amen? Jesus was defining what it takes and what it truly means to be blessed. Not from a worldly perspective, but from God's perspective. Now listen, how many of you have ever heard a secular rock band or secular musician that won a music award and, and in that they thank God for blessing them with the award? How many of you ever heard that? And their music is filled with cuss words, sex, blasphemy against God. Let me tell you, that award and or music is not from the true and living God, but from the world and the devil. But they said, they called it a blessing. How many of you know there's a difference between the blessing of God and how the world perceives a blessing? And these points that Jesus mentions in this passage are called the Beatitudes. All right? These are attitudes... And characteristics that we as Christians are expected to have and to maintain. Say maintain. Now listen. 
The Greek word that's translated blessed in this passage is defined as this. Joyful, happy, supremely blessed. A condition and in a condition in which congratulations are in order. <laughs> it is a word that expresses the special joys and satisfaction. Say satisfaction. Granted to the person who experiences salvation and puts these points into action in their life. Hand me that water. I feel like I'm in a desert today or something. Am I in a, am I in a spiritual desert today, people? Are we, are we breathing in here today? All right, just checking. All right. Now, remember in my sermon, Created to be Blessed. How many of you were here when I preached Created to be Blessed? All right. I mentioned that anywhere in the Bible where you see a blessing attached uh, to, to a command or an action, that means that action was in the original plan of God from the beginning of time. All right? Man was intended or expected to do that thing. Anywhere in the word where you see a blessing is attached to an action or a command, that means that that was in the original intent of God. And when you do that thing, you're going to stay in the blessing zone. Amen? Now, and the opposite is true. Wherever you see in the Bible that a curse, a curse is attached to a certain action, mankind was never intended to go in that direction. It was never in the original intent or plan of God. For example, homosexuality and fornication. God never made or intended sexual relations for those of the same sex. How many of you know that in here? Better see a lot of hands in here. Amen. And how many of you know that God never intended sex to be outside of the marriage covenant? Hence, fornication. So, for those two things, there's a curse attached to it. Why? Because it was never in the original plan or intent of God. You following me? So, if the Bible says that blessing will bring joy and happiness into your life, then the opposite is true. A curse will bring depression. It will bring all kinds of evil and hardship into your life. How many of you figured that out yet? I have. You online, you probably have too. We all have. We've all done stupid things. But God's desire is for you and every person on this earth to live a blessed life. Are you convinced of that yet? A blessed life. But that can only happen when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and you put the Word of God into action in your life. You see, our, in, our Creator, God, has given us an instruction manual on how to live a blessed life. It's not a guessing game. And He's, he's just given us this manual. It's a great manual. In fact, it's the best-selling book in the world. And it's called the Bible. The Word of God. The Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. I say it all the time and I love saying it. Basic instructions before leaving earth. It's our manual from our Creator. Who else would know 
and who could give us instructions on how to live a blessed life other than the creator of all things, right? So we have to go to his manual. So today I've, I have entitled this message, How to Be Blessed. Now that's a real generic title. I mean, I mean you, could, you could get real exhaustive on this. How many of you know that? But anyways, I just put this on there because Jesus many times in Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are, blessed are those, blessed are those. So how many of you here, and you online, listening on the radio and internet around the world, you want to be blessed? We got to learn how to be blessed. And we can only get that kind of knowledge from the Word of God. So today, I want to break down for you the Beatitudes, or the keys that Jesus was giving us on how to be blessed from God's perspective. See, how many of you know there's ways to to get things in the world by lying, by cheating, but that's not God's way. Amen? We want to do it God's way because His way, He says, He adds blessing and He doesn't add sorrow with it. That's the blessing of the Lord. All right? So, turn with me here to Matthew chapter 5, and I want to look at verse 3 as we start off here with the Beatitudes. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the poor in spirit that Jesus is referring to are those who recognize their true spiritual poverty apart from Him. Apart from from God's grace and God's help in this life. Jesus was talking, Jesus was talking about Christians that maintain a humble heart attitude. And humility simply means doing things or living your life according to God's plan as revealed in the Bible. The manual. See, from the beginning of time, God's intent for mankind was to totally trust and rely on Him. That's humility. That's humility. So, anytime a person, listen, I gotta say this, anytime a person rejects God's gift to mankind, His Son Jesus Christ, that person is living in the curse. And there's no way to get outside of the curse when you reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Someone needed to hear that. But listen to this. Or even when a Christian, say Christian, when a Christian rebels against God's commands in the Bible, they invite a curse upon themselves. Well, I thought a Christian couldn't have a curse. You thought wrong. You thought wrong. Christians can invite curses upon themselves because of rebellion or a failure to act on the word of the living God. Now this is very important here because at that point, that believer, they willingly step outside of the blessing zone, the, I call it, the safety zone of God's word. And they step willingly, say willingly, On the devil's territory. The Bible says in Proverbs that a curse causeless will not come. 
In other words, you have to willingly open the door to the devil. For the devil to have a legal right. Say legal right. That's very important. But the Bible says a curse causeless. Look, if you're seeking after, after the Lord with your whole heart, there's not going to be any opening for the devil or a curse to land on your runway of life. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Hallelujah. 1 Peter <clears throat> chapter 5. I want to look at verses 5 through 7. I, for the last few weeks, I think I've been bringing this up quite a bit. <clears throat> But it is so important. You can't talk about humility without bringing up this scripture. Or you could, but you're not going to get the full picture of what God's trying to say here in his word. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. But gives grace or favor or strength to the humble. <clears throat> Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. <clears throat> Got to point this out. This passage here is written to Christians. I say that a lot, don't I? I don't care if I say so many times your head starts to spin. This passage was written to Christians. The unbeliever, the sinner, they're, they got, they're filled with pride because they've rejected the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ. There's absolutely no biblical way for an unbeliever to be humble, in, in, humble in the biblical point sense of the word. Are you hearing me? So this passage, passage says that if you are a Christian and you have pride in your heart, God will resist you. But God gives grace or strength or favor to the humble or those who believe that God's way is the best way and not only that you believe it, but you act on it and you go in that direction. How many of you know that the devil believes in God? How many of you know that? Demon spirits, the devil, they believe that there's a God. The problem is, they don't act like it. They rebelled against God in their doom for eternity. Right? See, if you try going in your own direction, you will get resistance. Say resistance. Things will just fall apart. In other words, if you know what the Bible says, you know in your heart as a Christian what you're supposed to do, and you fight that, and you go in another direction, you will have resistance. Why? Because God says he will resist the proud. How many of you want resistance in your life? Come on, good answer. No, we don't. You will not have peace in your life at all if you try to go in your own direction. Why? Because that pride in your heart just made an open runway in your life for a curse to land. 
So now the opposite is true. When you go God's way, you will have peace in your heart and God's blessing will be upon you. How many of you know it won't always be easy? I mean, how many of you found that out? When you do the right thing sometimes, you're still going to come up against resistance in the world. Resistance against the devil. But I'll tell you right now, I'd rather have the resistance of the world and the devil than God's hand trying to push me down. Are you hearing me? The Bible, there's a scripture, it says, let not the foot of pride come against me. And when I read that, when I first seen that, when I first became a Christian, I was like, God, what are you talking about? What do you mean the foot of pride? And it was clear as day. I, I had a vision on the inside. And I, I, I pictured a person standing and a big foot crushing them down. Because pride is nothing more than a big foot that will crush you down. Are you hearing me? It's getting kind of quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> Let's go to another passage that ties into this point. Uh, no offense, Presbyterian churches. I grew up in one for 20 years, all right? Mark chapter 10. Go to Mark chapter 10. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mark chapter 10, 13 through 16. Hallelujah. Are you having fun yet? Thank you, you two. I appreciate that very much. All right. <laughs> All right, listen to this. Then they brought little children to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children, children come to me, and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as, underline it, a little child, will by no means enter it. And he took them, the children, up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Jesus said that the kingdom of God was made up Composed of those who have childlike faith, trust, and dependence upon him. Why? Because that's how, that, that is how it was intended from the beginning of time. That's how it was intended from the very beginning of time. If you want the blessing of God on your life as a Christian... If you want to live the abundant life, the key is this. Believing on the word of God and acting on it with childlike faith. Think of a little child. They just run up, like, like my, you know, little Brookie. You know, she'll just come up to me. All of them. They'll just come up. Daddy, I want to sit on your lap. Daddy. I mean, there's just like a total dependence. A little baby, a little kid, they can't feed themselves. They can't do anything. They're totally dependent. Totally dependent. 100% on their mother and father. That is the kind of desperation 
and dependence that God is looking for in Christians. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on this earth is composed of Christians who have childlike faith. So humility, or as Jesus put it, being poor in spirit is a righteous attitude and mindset that says, I won't do anything of importance without seeking God and his word on the matter. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 now. Says this, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There are a couple different meanings now for this one point. First of all, Jesus is talking about those who mourn for godly purposes. Such as repentance. Alright? Those that come to themselves and realize their need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Now, I want to point something out to you. The Bible talks about two different kinds of sorrow. Two different kinds of mourning. Number one, the Bible speaks of godly sorrow. And then number two, the Bible speaks of of the sorrow of the world. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This is very important to know this. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And I want to look at verses 6 through 11 here. It says this. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your, here it is, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. Now, the Apostle Paul here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, wrote to the church at Corinth. A city called Corinth. A letter of rebuke for sin that was being tolerated in the church among Christians at this city called Corinth. How many of you know that a rebuke is not pleasant to take at the time? How many of you figured that out? 
But how many of you know it was needed to correct us and to put us back on the straight and narrow path again? Nobody likes rebuke. But it says a wise man or a wise person will take it. They'll take it to heart. Amen? In verse 9, Paul said that he rejoiced not in the fact that they were made sorry, but that the sorrow that they experienced from that rebuke, from that letter of rebuke or correction, led them to repentance, to change their life. And that is called godly sorrow. And there is a blessing in that kind of sorrow. It's a godly sorrow is a sorrow that compels a person to change their life for God. How many of you, when you were born again, some of you had a very dramatic experience? And when you when you were introduced to Jesus Christ, I mean you broke. I, I know I did. I broke like a baby. Because there is a godly sorrow, and I realized my need to change, to repent. But listen, worldly sorrow is very shallow. Say shallow. When a person has worldly sorrow, or a worldly kind of sorrow, there is no desire to change. They, basically, they were just sorry that they got caught. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But there was no change of heart on the inside of them. Now the word repentance simply means this. To have a mind change or a heart change. Or to do a, to, you're walking in one direction and to do a 180 degree turn in the other direction. One moment you're walking in sin, the next moment you, you repent and you turn around and you follow God. That is simply what repentance means in a nutshell. And really, hey, how many of you know that repentance is not just a one-time experience? Repentance just doesn't mean, yes, there's a, a level of repentance when a person makes Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Of course, there's a repentance there. But how many of you have found out the real deal is this? That repentance is a process. And the moment you got saved, immediately the Holy Spirit began revealing things in your life, in your heart, that were not right. Oh, why well, thought salvation just settles it all thing. How many of you know there, it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Huh? So repentance... I'm telling you what, if you think that salvation settled it all thing, you're, you're going to live a life of condemnation, a life of guilt, because anytime the Holy Spirit's going to try to reveal something to you, you know what the first thought is? Oh, I must not be saved. Oh, I must not be saved. No, when the fact is, the Bible says in Romans 12 that we are to renew our mind. And the Holy Spirit is assisting us in that process. So, but now the important thing is, when the Holy Spirit reveals a, an area of our life that's not in line with the Bible, that we need to change, the key is this. Repent. Have a mind change. 
And thank God that he revealed the truth to you on that matter. That, that's, that's what it means being changed from glory to glory. Oh yeah, when you get born again, there's a level of glory you step into. But the Bible just, the Bible does say that we're being changed from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. It's a pro, say process. Come out of your condemnation. And simply accept the fact that there's a process going on when you became a Christian. And it's the glory to glory change. And just work with the Holy Spirit on that matter. Amen? Look at Isaiah 66. Because the Bible says that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you truly have a heart to seek after, you get born again, you truly have a heart that's seeking after the Lord, you're in good hands. Amen? And, and all the Holy Spirit is trying to assist us in is cleaning us up. How many know we need to be clean up, cleaned up? Because the truth of the matter is, some of us got saved when we were 20, some of us got saved when we were 40, some got saved when they are 60. How many of you know... There's a lot of rubbish we take in to the Christian walk when we first get saved. That's why it's an ongoing process. Renewing the mind. Isaiah 66, uh, verses 1 through 2, says this. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on, on him who is poor, not financially, talking about the poor in spirit thing. On him who is poor, although I'm not saying God doesn't look at the poor, he loves everyone. There's no respecter of persons, are you hearing me? On him who is poor in spirit, really. And of a contrite spirit. And who trembles at my word. Blessed are those who mourn. Come on now. For they shall be comforted. On him who is humble. Contrite in spirit. Broken. There's a brokenness. There's a childlikeness that says, God, I need you. I can't make it without you. And who trembles at his word. How many of you know, if you tremble at his word, that's talking about the fear of the Lord. Or reverence of the Lord. You highly regard God. You highly regard his word. And you want to live for him on this earth. Amen? Now, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. This also applies to Christians that mourn. The loss of a loved one. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want to look at verses 13 and 14. Are you there yet? Those of you looking up there are cheaters. Uh, just joking. Alright, 1 Thessalonians 4. 13 and 14 listen to this but i do not want you to be ignorant or lack knowledge on this matter brethren christians concerning those who have fallen asleep or died 
lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now listen, what is the one thing that separates sorrow for the loss of a loved one, for the Christian and for an unbeliever? That one thing is hope. And that hope is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian and have lost a loved one that was a Christian, you have the hope that you will be reunited with them in heaven one day after this life. And that is a comfort to the Christian that mourns the loss of a loved one. Amen? Hallelujah. You know what? I think I'm just going to stop right there. I'm going to finish it next Sunday. Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Now maybe there's someone in here. You have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't put it off because tomorrow may not come. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come forward and I want to have the privilege of praying with you and and, and receiving a new birthday, the born again experience. Maybe there's someone in here, you've fallen away from the Lord, you don't know if you took your last breath right now, if you would go to heaven and that my friend is extremely scary if you don't even have assurance of your salvation you need to come forward and let's settle it today let's rededicate you need to rededicate your life today and I want to have the privilege of praying with you maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you said man this Christian life is just boring or you know you just feel there's no power you don't, you, it just seems like there's no power in your life. The one thing you're missing is the Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses unto me, to live right, to act right, and to do the works of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. If you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, I want you to come forward this morning. If you need prayer for healing, deliverance, prayer for anything, I just want you to come forward right now. And the rest of you, I want you just to focus on, I want you just to focus on what I talked about today, the points that I talked about today. There's just so many points. I wanted to just, I wanted to just half that. I felt like I needed just to half this message. Chew on what I talked about up to this point. If you have a pride problem, you need to get rid of it today and put it under the blood of Jesus. The rest of you just worship the Lord as the music plays.
Hallelujah. How many of you need the fire of God on you today? How many of you feel a little cold? You need the fire of God. All right. Hallelujah. Right. We're going to pray for Bruce. We're going to continue to stand with Bruce. Point your hand toward, toward the camera. In the name of Jesus, Bruce, we continue to stand with you. We lock our faith together with you. And we command that cancer to come out of your body. We command every cancer cell to die and dissolve. And we command in the authority in the name of Jesus for every bit of cancer to leave, new cells be formed, immune system you be strengthened and whoever is watching or will watch this broadcast on the internet in the days to come I command every sickness disease and infirmity to come out of your body in the name of Jesus and we loose the power of God upon you right now spirit of death spirit of suicide spirit of depression come out of them now in the name of Jesus Christ and be healed and Katie wants us to pray for her also does Katie need healing oh oh okay gotcha this is another Katie I'm sorry right now I'm sorry about that so right now, we pray for Katie. Katie, you be healed. You be strengthened in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your anointing fall upon Katie in that center, where she, wherever she's at, at home. Lord, I just pray that total wholeness would come to Katie's body the way you created it, the way you, you intended her body to function from the very beginning, Father. Let your spirit fall upon her and every person in that center. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. I didn't know they were together. Hey, hey, that's what you get when you have live broadcasting going on, right? That's the fun part of it. All right, those of you watching online, next Sunday night at 7 p.m., I'm going to be in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, go to jamesbrandt.org for more information on that. And October 17th, I am going to be in Imlay City, Michigan for a healing and miracle service. So thank you for tuning in, and you'll see us next week. God bless you. All right. Now, uh, announcements. Here we go. There is, being that we're talk, praying for Bruce there, there is going to be a 